Hey, it's so good to welcome you to Fields Church Online, and we are so pleased that you've tuned in for this message. No matter what's going on in your world right now, we pray that you come away feeling encouraged by this message. I'll just pray over myself, shall I? No, it's all right. Thank you, Father. I shouldn't take him for granted, though, guys. You're <laughs> so, right. I'm so excited about this afternoon, my mind is elsewhere. <laughs> Father, just thank you for, for the fact that um, not only are you our Father, but we are part of your family. Hmm. Lord, we, we are brothers and sisters in, in your love. And I thank you for my, my brother Richard. I thank you for his love to me and to all the family. And we pray, Lord, that uh, you bless him abundantly now in the days to come. May the Holy Spirit be ministering through him powerfully today and, and let his words be your words. Amen. Amen. Cool, it's loud. How's everyone? Purpose them to do. If you love the Lord, you'll say amen. We're looking, carrying on with our, our series on fruit of the Spirit. If you want to go to Genesis 1 with me. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I spoke about pruning. Remember when I had those shears? And uh, yeah, uh, Saviour was a, I, I thought he was a bit whingy because he said, oh, don't, don't cut me. I mean, come on. You know I wouldn't cut you because I love you. And um, i never forget when we moved to our house in Humberdoucey Lane in, in Rushmere, we had this apple tree in the corner. And one day, Stuart and his friend decided they were, gonna, they were only going to prune it so what happens when you prune something? Normally, it gets more, you get more fruit, don't you? And I came home to find a stump that big, and all the branches cut off. And they went out, and I had to clear it all up. Can you believe that? This morning, we're looking at the fruit of goodness. Everyone say goodness. Now, what's going on with this thing here? Oh, just a little advert before I go. Uh, find. Families in need. We support them. They really need our help. And if you can't afford to buy a bag of groceries, just bring a tin. If everybody bought a tin, if each one bought one, we'd have quite a few tins, wouldn't we? Just look around, we'd have quite a few, wouldn't we? So they really need our help at the moment. They've got a lot of people that they feed, and they need the help of every church in this, in this town. Okay, we're looking at the word good, or the word goodness, which appears over 700 times in the Bible. And goodness appears 45 times. So good 700 times and goodness 45 times. You know, God used the word good in Genesis. If you want to go there, if you've got your Bibles, we're going to have a look at that. Genesis 1.31. It says, Then God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was very good. How do we know that God wasn't from Suffolk? You know, he, he doesn't come from Suffolk because he would have said it was well good. He would have done. I think he would. Okay, and this was before, obviously, sin entered the world. You know, when we, wanna, uh, when we sort of hand in our kids over to someone, maybe they're going to a party, right? They're going to someone else's house and they're young. What do we say to our ch children generally before they go off to meet someone else? We say, be good. Be good. What about Santa? When everyone writes to Santa, what does he want to know about us? If you've been good, I know Santa's real because I've seen a picture of him and I've seen quite a few films with Santa in them. That's true. Turn to your neighbor and say, Santa's real. Don't you believe? 
You're meant to believe. We're meant to be believers. If you were the average person, if you went out on the street and spoke to the average person and said, what would, what would be the, why would God, how would God accept you into heaven? What would they say, do you think? Hey, because I'm good. Is that right? Our goodness is not God's standard, is it? Let's have a look at Matthew 19, verse 16. If you want to go there with me. It's all about the goodness of God, isn't it? Just say that. God is good. Say this. God is good. Despite the circumstances that I go through. And despite the challenging things I go through. God is still good. He's unchanging, isn't he? Jesus speaks about this, this standard of goodness. It says, now behold, one came and said to him, this is a rich young ruler, came to Jesus. And he said this, good teacher, what good thing, I never saw this before, what good thing shall I do? What good thing shall I do that I may enter eternal life? And he said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but one, and that is God. That was a real revelation to me. He said, what, what one thing, what can I do to enter eternal life? It's not about what we can do. It's about everything that Jesus has done for us already. Isn't that right? Okay. And there's nothing, yeah, it's trusting in everything that Jesus has done that qualifies us for eternal life. Let's have a look at the dictionary, how that defines good or goodness. I like doing this. The word good in a dictionary, the quality of being morally good or virtuous. That sounds quite good, doesn't it? Let's see what the Bible has to say firstly about the goodness of God, and then we're going to see this in, um, in Scripture. Let's have a look at these, these verses. I'm going to show quite a few here. Exodus 34 verse 6 says this, the New King James, And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious. Look at that, long-suffering. Isn't God long-suffering? Especially with us when we keep failing sometimes, eh? we, we miss the mark. Look at this, and it says, and abounding in goodness and truth. Isn't that good? The psalmist wrote this in Psalm 107, verse 1. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. How many times do we give thanks for what God has done and what he's doing in our lives? How many of us give thanks for our salvation? How many of us give thanks for our children or our grandchildren? How many of us give thanks for our health? How many of us give thanks, thanks for our church, for our brothers and sisters? We do that every day. Yeah, the Bible says we should count our blessings every day for God's mercy because he's shown us mercy. The psalmist writes again in Psalm 34 verse 8, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Say that, the Lord is good. Psalm 100 verse 4, I love this. For the Lord is good, his unfailing love continues. What, how long for? Forever. And his faith, and that's one of the fruit of the Spirit, isn't it? Faithfulness. I mean, one of the guys are going to share next week. I think it could be Adrian. Is that right? Are you sharing on faithfulness next week? It could be a shock to him. <laughs> Just see how shocked he is. Look, he's, he looks really shocked. And I don't know whether he could cope with that. At least I didn't tell you the night before, hey, Saturday night. Don't forget you're speaking on faithfulness next week or tomorrow. Isn't that good? I'll read that again, Psalm 100, verse 5. For, he, for the Lord is good. His unfailing love continues forever. And his faithfulness continues to each generation. Isn't that good? 
Psalm 145, verse 9, the new living. The Lord is good to just a few people. The Lord is good to only those children of his who are really good. What does it say? The Lord is good to everyone. Is that right? He shows compassion on all his creation. One commentator writes about God being good, and he says this. To say that God is good means that God always acts in accordance to what is right. This is, again, according to his standard, because we would judge people with our standard, don't we? Don't we judge people by our standard? And it says that what is right, true, and good. It goes on to say goodness is part of his nature, and he can't contradict his nature. And lastly, it says this, holiness and righteousness are part of God's nature. He can't do anything that is unholy or unrighteous. God is the standard of all that is good. How many of you would have been cheeky like Moses? One time when Moses went up, God called him up to the mountain. And uh, what did Moses say one day? He says, can you show me your glory? Who would have been that cheeky? Who would have been that cheeky? No one. No one's putting their hand up. Only Moses was the only cheeky one. Not you. Any of you cheeky? Any of you naughty? Come on, all the naughty ones. Yeah, there's a few putting their hands up now. Okay. I think he was a cheeky chappy, but what a great thing to say. Can you show me your glory? I'd love to have said that. Exodus 33, 18. And he said, please show me your glory. Then he said, I will make, what did he, what did he say? All my goodness pass by you. Pass before you, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I wonder what God said right at that moment. I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. Verse 20 says, You cannot see my face, for no man shall see me and live. And the Lord said, Here is a place by me, and you shall stand on the rock. This must have been amazing. I don't know how, how Moses felt. So it shall be, while my glory passes by... Thou art put, put you in the cleft of the rock and will cover you with my hand while I pass by. I think that's just amazing. Let's have a look. Let's just remind ourselves from Galatians 5. If you've got your Bibles, uh, turn to Galatians 5.22. We can remind ourselves about the fruit. Who can remember what they are? I'm going to go back now. Who can remember what they are, the fruit of the Spirit? What's the first one? Love. Why is that the first one, do you think? Because everything we, we do in life should be motivated by love. What's the next one? Joy. How many people have you got your joy? How many people are joyful? Oh, look, Beth's dancing there. Get up and do a dance for us, Beth. No, you don't want to do it. Okay. I know Josh would if he was here. He is here. He's hiding. Do a little, do a little jig for us there, Josh. Go on. One of your little things that you do on the drums. You know that. I look a bit, aw- I look a bit awkward doing it. Dad, it's dad dancing, isn't it? Granddad dancing. Oh, we went to shopping one day and we, I spoke about the joy of the Lord. And Esther was in front of me. She said, get a bag out of the car. She's in front of me. And then she starts dancing. I said, please don't do that. It's a sunny day. It's a sunny day and everyone was looking. I said, no, please don't do that. And she said, why not? I've got the joy of the Lord. And I said, well, you didn't get it here, sister. Anyway. <laughs> I said, you've got one job, shop. Don't dance. It, no, it was quite hilarious. Okay, love, joy. How many of you got the peace of God? Aren't you glad that you got the peace of God? Like, like, you know, there's something missing, isn't there, when you're unsaved? And I believe that's the peace of God. What's the next one? Is it? Long-suffering. Yeah, patience, that's right. The next one? There's not a lot of kindness in the world. 
I've started being kind a lot more now. Uh, hang on, don't judge me, come on. Like being kind to Esther. I could have, ran the, I could have just run and not, not gone with her, you know. That would have been awkward. Yeah, I'm showing acts of kindness now, like going to the... Someone hasn't got money for the machine for the, for the parking or something, or their trolley. I just give them a pound and say, there you go. And they go, oh, that's an act of kindness, isn't it? Hopefully I get brownie points. Okay, what's the next one? The next one is goodness, isn't it? That's what we're looking at. The next one is faithfulness. You know, God's ever faithful. If we're unfaithful, God is always faithful. Do you know that? Say that, God is faithful. Gentleness, say that, gentleness. Is there a lot of gentleness in the world? No, self-control. I can't wait for Josh who's going to actually do self-control. That will be the last one that we're going to do. JT's going to do that one. I can't wait to hear that one. Okay, the Greek word, the Greek translated goodness from this verse means this. Yeah, now why we say this, why is he saying Greek? Why does he say that? The New Testament was written in Greek. And when we look at the words in our Bible, if you were to just look at Scripture, the word goodness, it doesn't, it's not very descriptive, is it? So when we look at that word in the Greek in the language it was written in, it's, got, it's very descriptive, isn't it? Just have a look at this. It means uprightness of heart and life. So uprightness means righteousness, so that God is righteous. The condition or quality of being honest. How many of you are honest? How many of you find 10 pounds floating down the road and you put your hand out and say, oh, look, look what God's blessed me with? What would you do with it? I'll take it to the police station. Come on. I might buy two ice creams on the way. Oh, no, no. I say, look, I found this 20p. <laughs> no, I wouldn't do that. No, there's not a lot of honesty in the world, is there? Look at our news. People just aren't honest, are they? Goodness me. I forgot where I was now. Where am I? Being honest, it's a moral characteristic of a spirit-filled person. Look at that. We need to be, realize that we have changed. It goes on to say, that word goodness from that verse in Galatians 5.22, look at this. Goodness is for the benefit of others. I, I never really realized that until I really looked into this. Goodness is for the benefit of others. It results in a life characterized by good deeds. That's amazing. Motivated by righteousness and a desire to be a blessing. Who wants to be a blessing? Who's going to fill my car up with diesel the next time I want to fill it up? Come on, you want to be a blessing, so that's one way of being a blessing, isn't it? Is it or is that a bit forward, Andrew? Is it a bit forward? No. Probably take more than mine, about 60 gallons, I should think. I think he gets free diesel as a, as a farmer, so... No, he's not... A, can we? I, I talk about honesty. Wait a minute. Can we go and dip something in your tank to make sure it's not the wrong kind of diesel? Would you let us do that? Yes. <laughs> you paused there just for a moment, didn't you? Okay. So you, everyone wants to be a blessing. The Greek here says that the fruit of goodness is for the benefit of others, characterized by good deeds. The dictionary defines good deeds. What are they? Let's have a look at these. An action. Everyone say action. So goodness is action, isn't it? It's an act that we do. It's not passive, right? The action that's performed intentionally or consciously, and it means doing good deeds. So if goodness is a fruit of the Spirit and we're meant to be doing good deeds, who can just shout out some good deeds that maybe we could do? Some good deeds. Name some for me. 
Oh, goodness. I mean, come on. What's that? Feeding people. That's brilliant. What else? Cleaning. Uh, my house wants cleaning, so that's someone to fill up the car. So I've got someone to now clean for me. Next. We're not very creative, are we? Sorry, what did you say? Giving someone a lift, feeding the poor, praying for the sick, opening your home up. Aren't these good deeds? I think I've got to teach these this more often. I mean, helping old people across the road, you know, male and female, even if they don't want to go. You, you, you're going to come anyway because I'm doing a good, it's my, you know, my good deed for the day. We're going. So how can we cultivate the fruit of the Spirit? Because we're meant to cultivate these fruit. How are we meant to do that? Especially the fruit of goodness. I've just given you the answer. Do good deeds. Practice it. That's fantastic, isn't it? Because goodness is active. It's not passive. You know, Christ was our example for this. Turn to the next verse of Scripture, Acts 10.38. And I want to home in on this one part of it. Look at this. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Why? Because he went about doing good. And I know we focus on the, and healing all who are oppressed of the devil. I know that's doing good. But we can do good in other ways, can't we? And if Jesus went about doing good, shouldn't we, if we're being conformed to his image, shouldn't we be doing good deeds for others? Again, we're not doing them for our benefit, but we're doing it for the benefit of others. There are two things to notice here in these verses. Firstly, that Jesus was anointed with the Holy Spirit before he did anything. He might have done some good deeds when he was a carpenter. Maybe fix someone's chair for nothing or a desk or something else. Can you imagine Jesus as a carpenter? Hey, when he hit his thumb. What came out of his mouth, do you think? <laughs> Can't say that. Joseph's hanging around. I mean, he's going to be on my case. Secondly, it was after he was anointed that he went about doing these things, these good deeds. So if he can do the good deeds, so can we. Look at this next verse of Scripture in Matthew 5.16. I love this. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds. And what? Who gets glorified? You know, let's not just do it because you want to score brownie points with people, give someone a pound for their trolley or for their parking, but do it with a sincere heart when you know God is prompting you to do it. Do you know what I mean? Don't just do it and think, oh, you know, I know God's looking, so I better be good. I better be doing good deeds. No, that's, that's you know, putting God on the spot then, isn't it? It's not being really honest. I don't think it's honest. So my Father in heaven will glorify. So when we do these good deeds, God is glorified. Okay, how many of you like doing good deeds? I, I know there's only one or two of you because you couldn't name any good deeds. So come on, look good deeds up and think of good deeds that you could do. Amen? Arrive early for your boss. Stay a bit later. Hey, you do that? You're doing that for Jesus, aren't you? If someone asks for your coat, what should you, should you do? Give them your shirt. Oh, that's a nice shirt there, Danny. Just saying. I'm just saying. No, not at the moment. No, that's all right. No, please, not at the moment. No. So how many of us are doing good deeds? Let's have a look at the next verse in Galatians 6.10. Let's go there. It says this, so then, while we as individual believers have the opportunity, let us, everyone say us. If you're not sure, that includes you. Say that to your neighbor, that includes you, because he said us. Let everyone do good to all people, not just your brothers and sisters in Christ, but everybody. 
How many of you like to do things? I like to do things for people. Like I'm driving down the road. We're, we're in South Africa. We're coming home from church. And um, I saw this Volkswagen parked on the side of the road. It was dark. And it was in the sort of either side of the freeway. It was a, an industrial estate. And I, I think I was probably the only one on the road. And I sort of stopped behind the Volkswagen. And I saw a young lady. Then we didn't have mobile phones then. Young lady stopped by the side of the road. Obviously, a car's broken down. You can't let your car break down in South Africa, especially in certain places you know, where this lady was parked. Some of the South Africans know this, don't you? It's true. And I said to Esther, I don't want to get out and scare her because I'm a guy. You go out and just see if she's all right. So Esther went and said, You're, she was in floods of tears. She said, no, my car's just broken down. And I had a VW, so I knew a little bit about them, but I couldn't fix the problem. So I got her in our car and drove to our house, picked up a telephone. You know one of those with a wire? Who remembers those old school? I've even got one of those that you dial. Oh, it, you know, it takes forever, doesn't it? I, and especially if dialing nine. Dial 999. You're going to phone the police. There's a burglar there. It takes 10 minutes to dial 999. <laughs> have any of you seen phones like that? I'll bring one in next week. And it, it, my grandkids love to play with them, you know. It's not, it doesn't, you can't speak to anybody. But, not, you know, the, the guy would have robbed you and been gone. And that lady was so blessed that her parents brought us a card and some flowers because she felt safe. Isn't it good to do that? I'm always sort of, my eye is out for that kind of thing. Is yours as well? Come on, tell your neighbor, you need to be doing more good deeds. I'm going to read that again because look at this. It says, so then while we as individual believers have the opportunity, let us do good to all people, not only being helpful, but also doing that which promotes their spiritual well-being and especially be a blessing to those of the household of faith. So we should be a blessing to the household, that's our brothers and sisters in Christ. But those outside of that, amen? Like our neighbor, I'm always sort of doing stuff for the neighbor, and they're always sort of doing stuff for us. And they say, please don't move, because you're our best neighbors. I said, you don't move either, because they were thinking about it. I said, no, rather do improvements to your house, because you're really good neighbors. I'm always over there you know, borrowing stuff, so that's why they're good. We used to do that in the old days. How many, John, do you remember that? Ain't got any sugar. No, we pop to the shops now, don't we? What do we do in the old days, uh, John? Sorry? It popped next door. You got any sugar? You do that every night. And <laughs> no one's in. Don't answer the door when old Smith knocks on the door again. It keeps coming around every night. It's true. That's what they used to do back in the day. But that's back in the day. Can I have the band up, please? Let's uh, go there. Oh, wonderful. See how obedient they are. Look at that. So we can see goodness is cultivated by doing good deeds. And again, we're not scoring brownie points with God. We're doing it because we genuinely want to do it. And I feel so blessed when people help me. Amen. Are you blessed when people help you? I just want to look at this last verse here with the Apostle Paul. He writes this. Romans 12 verse 9, the Amplified. Love is to be sincere and active. Love needs to be demonstrated, doesn't it? Does it? Does love need to be demonstrated? How do we demonstrate love? Well, by doing good things to people. Is that right? Love needs to be sincere and active. The real thing without guile and hypocrisy. Hate what is tightly to what is, what is good. Is that to treat one another? 
Be devoted to one another and with authentic brotherly affection. As members of one family, give preference to one another in honor. Verse 11 says, never, never lagging behind in diligence. I like that, a glow in the spirit. Enthusiastically serving the Lord. Constantly rejoicing in hope because of our confidence in Christ. Last verse. It says there in this verse 12b, steadfast and patient is another fruit of the Spirit, isn't it? In distress, devoted to prayer, continually seeking wisdom, guidance and strength, contributing to the needs of God's people, pursuing the practice of hospitality. Can we all stand? We're going to sing one of the songs that we sang earlier. And I really want you to, when you think about singing those words that God is good, to really give it your all. Can you do that for me? Or would you do that for me? That would be great. Father, we declare in this place today that you are good. You are a good God and you love your creation. You created us to be your sons and daughters, to have fellowship with you, relationship with you. When I ask that question, we can just have some soft music in the background. Don't worry, band. I think they'll just put something on for us. If you could do that. Thank you, Jesus. What would qualify us for heaven? Would it be our goodness? We've just seen. Even Jesus said, no one's good but my Father. Because we judge goodness by our own standards. And I don't think our our own standards would cut that. And I really want to speak to people here this morning that do not have this relationship with Jesus that we so often talk about. Like Ben said, we drive through life and we're in the driving seat of our car. And when we get saved, when we give our life to Jesus, we put him in the driving seat and put him in charge of our lives. And we're the passenger. How many of us this morning are still in the driving seat driving our own lives? I want to tell you, friend, that God loves you so much. I said love should be demonstrated. God sent his only begotten son to die for us. That's love in action. He sent his son to die for you and me. To pay the penalty and the price for our sin, our shame and our guilt and if you're here this morning and you're not sure if you do not have a relationship with Jesus and you'd like to know more about come and, more about that come and speak to us afterwards but if you're brave enough right now and you want to make put God in the driving seat of your life you want, that's me friend I don't think you're here by accident nothing's by chance nothing's by accident God means business with you. He loves you and died for you and wants you to be part of his family. Am I speaking to you today? Just raise your hand up and say, that's me. You know, Jesus raised his hands up for you to die for you unashamedly. Maybe you're here this morning and, you know, you were going to church. You're not going to church anymore, but you're here today. You're maybe given up on God. Maybe you've been even hurt by the church. But you're here today and you want to give God another chance. Well, friend, he wants to give you another chance. 
if that's you, if you think you're a little backslidden, you're being cold towards the things of God, but you're here this morning because you want to give God another chance. If I'm speaking to you, just put your hand up and say, that's me. Anyone this morning. I want everyone to know that they're right with God. I'm not talking about religion. I'm not talking about joining a church. I'm talking about having an intimate relationship with the creator of the universe, the one who died for you and me. Again, if you're shy about putting your hand up, please come and speak to us afterwards. There'll be a prayer team here uh, to pray for any needs that you may have. Before I hand over to Andrew, um, he's going to just do something around Father's Day. Bless you. Thanks, Andrew. Thank you. Yeah, please be seated. I think um, the historians amongst us might, might put me right, but was it, was it Marx who's, who said if he wanted to have control of a society, the two things you need to, to um, undermine is, is religion or the idea there's a God and family. If you can destroy those two, you, you, you remove a, a backbone from society and you can then introduce an element of alternative control. And we're seeing in society today uh, a, a remarkable assault on what family life is and the roles of, of mothers and fathers. Uh, I was listening to um, a, a, a report recently. Um, there's a guy in America, a podcaster and speaker called Matt Walsh. And he and his team um, made a, a film in 2000, released in 2021 called What is a Woman? And it was basically trying to ask people how to define what a woman is and ask various members of society in the Western world. And he couldn't get a straight answer. The concept of, of the defining boundaries between what is a man and a woman have been so eroded that people were even afraid or angry or insulted at the fact they've been asked to try and define what a woman is. Recently, that film was released on Twitter, I believe, free for anybody to watch, and it had an unprecedented viewing figures of 170 million views. So I think, I think it's broken box office records for the, the most viewed film or documentary, certainly in recent times, if not for a long while, because I think people are beginning to realize how significant these questions are in relation to our society and where we're going. But it's not just womanhood, it's fatherhood, isn't it? If, if, if you can't define what a woman is, can you define what a man is? In the blurring that is happening now between genders, are we losing sight of what makes us valuable as people and our role in society and in family life? Can we celebrate those things that God has ordained for us that reflect his heart and his character? And I think it's important for us to take time to recognize not only what's happening and how we are being affected and influenced, but positively to celebrate that which God has ordained for us and to recognize the value of fathers and men within our community. A lot of progress has been made in how conversation relates to women that we no longer um, use disparaging or belittling or, or demeaning language. In, in jokes and so on towards women, and uh, humor has changed a lot, hasn't it? 
But I've noticed that, and, um, that there's, a, there's almost a, a, an opposite um, effect regarding men. It's, it seems to be okay to make jokes about men in, in media and so on and, and, to, and to make light of, of how men behave and react. And it's almost like it, that's going the opposite way. And, and what there's a danger of doing is it, it, it can undermine for men what a man is. And the, not only the value, but the responsibility that we hold. And in society today, it's becoming easier and easier for men to walk away from responsibility, from family life, and to see that their role is no longer part of something bigger than their own lives and seeking their own satisfaction. It, it, we are, life is more than just our individual pursuits. Life has its meaning in the fact that we are part of something bigger. We have responsibility and meaning, both in relation to our God who created us, but to one another. And so this morning, I just wanted to encourage us men to take, I was going to say pride. I think pride might be the right word in the right context. To, to take affirmation from who God has made you to be. Don't lose sight of how God defines you in the midst of a world that is speaking something different. So we as a church have a responsibility to celebrate fatherhood. So I don't want this to be just a, a kind of um, sentimental cohesion where we say, oh, thank you, God, for all our fathers, and then walk away. This is more significant because our church, our life is under assault. And I want, I want us each to stand up for um, the, the roles that God has made us to be and to fulfill and to find value and purpose in, not only for ourselves, but for our children and for those around us. There are fathers in this house who have children. There are fathers in this house like me who don't have children, but I'm still a father in the house. And I, as I was thinking about what I'm going to say to this morning, I was challenged, am I prepared to be a father too? To others, there are families here that don't have necessarily physical fathers. Am I prepared to be a father and be available to more than just, you know, my immediate needs? And for all the men, I challenge us. Are we prepared to, to be fathers um, in the house? And for families here to recognize that there are many fathers here. But you're not alone if you're a single mother. That, that within the church, we are part of a bigger family. And not to lose sight of that. So, can... I just want to... Uh, I, don't know, I just wanted to applaud the fathers in the house this morning. Ladies, if you could do that. And yeah, let's do that. And I want that applaud to continue um, in your family life. To, we're called to build one another up, aren't we, as Christians, to encourage one another. Ladies and children, um, the young, youngsters out there, tell them as well take opportunity to encourage your dads and your fathers and your husbands um, it, it's become too easy to, to find fault we, we need to take opportunity to find honor in one another 
both for our women and for our men. So today we're honoring our men and, and let's do that. Let's go forth and honor from day to day uh, the men that encourage, get, encourage us to do better. Amen? Amen. Yes, there is a, um, there's been a gift prepared and it's available on the way out. So please pick up your gift as a, as a recognition of who you are and, and this day. Thank you very much. Amen. Okay.